What is up, guys? Welcome to the Purge Podcast. I'm Josh, and today I really want to talk about politics and we as the church, our relationship to politics, our relationship to government, our relationship to the world around us, and how we are supposed to live that out. What that's supposed to look like biblically, we're going to look at. We're going to talk about the last few years, what has gone on, good or bad, whether you think it's good or bad. We're going to talk about some of the destructive behavior that we as the body of Christ, we as believers have participated in. Um, That's what we're going to talk about right after the purge intro. If you're like me, maybe you've wondered, is there more? You've prayed the sinner's prayer. You believe you're saved by grace and forgiven of your sins, but yet nothing has really changed. You're still living in sin, and you don't even know if you'll ever be free. I'm here to tell you today, there is more. Jesus has so much more for us. The price that he paid was for so much more than for you to just go to heaven with him one day. God wants us to be cleansed. He wants us to be set free. He wants us to be purged. I'm Joshua Enns. Welcome to the Purge Podcast. God, thank you for this time that I have to talk about your word, to talk about your commandments, talk about who we are called to be as followers of you, but also those who build your kingdom, those who make up your kingdom that is going to be ruling on this earth one day. God, thank you for this time to talk about that. God, thank you for what you've put on my heart to share with everybody listening. I pray that you would impact their hearts in the way that they need to. I'm not asking you to make them agree with me. I'm asking you to impact their hearts. So whatever that looks like, God, I pray that the truth would be revealed. I pray that my opinion would not stand out but that your truth, your word, who you've called us to be, would be, would rise to the surface. In Jesus' name, amen. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't subscribed yet. That would be greatly appreciated. And comment below, comment your thoughts. I want to know your thoughts. If you think I'm way out of line, if you think I'm interpreting scripture wrong, I want to know, I want to have a discussion. Please do not be afraid to actually talk about these things. It's, it's vital that we talk about this, that it's one thing to disagree with what I'm about to say. It's another thing to not be willing to talk about. And that is something that I've experienced a lot one-on-one with people I know in conversation where I've said, hey, what about this? And they literally do not want to talk about it. And so I've realized we have been deceived more than we think we have. We have been seduced by this political spirit that is upon the church right now. And we need to be vigilant of its devices. We need to be vigilant of the devices of the enemy and the agenda behind what is actually taking place. Obviously, we know that there's agendas behind specific politics. We know that there's agendas behind specific parties or candidates 
there's agendas that they want to accomplish and some of them go against what we as believers would value our our core values a lot of it goes against us and so a lot of the church has risen up in a very zealous sometimes destructive way in order to combat these evil agendas coming at us as the body of Christ and so although they're in their heart a lot of times is in the right place um, we have become very desensitized to the world around us we have become very hardened to the fact that there's more at stake in this world than just who is in the government who is in political power there's way more to this world there's way more going on there's way more evil there's way more deception going on at play here than just who's winning the elections or who is in leadership or who is abusing that leadership or whatever the situation is there's so much more to than what our eyes can see what our see what we see in our physical realm and so we need to be careful that some of the things we're doing in the physical realm that have to do with government have to do with these politics we need to be careful that they do not compromise who we really are in Christ and our roles in the kingdom of God and so I want to start by reading Romans 13 some of you might be already rolling their eyes because you've been told that this chapter doesn't mean what we think it means it's just Paul is just appeasing Rome and blah 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 um, you can think that and that's fine if you disagree but I want you to hear me out I want you to hear this out and actually I'm not even really going to dive too much theo- theologically into this passage but I want to read this not because it's a cliche verse when it comes to government but because it is one of the, the verses or the passages that impacted me the most that I, I want to say it would have been 2019 or so around there like before COVID hit right before COVID and it was even before that that like Jesus radically changed my life which I want to share that testimony soon but that kind of radically changed my my life that that set me on this path that I've talked about that's like denying myself picking up my cross and actually falling after Jesus actually living free from sin actually walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh all that so that journey actually started more like 2018 in between there and like around 2019 that God started to convict me of about what we're going to be talking about today and so this isn't just something that I've just picked up that I've heard other people talk about when God spoke to me about Romans 13 when I saw this for the first time and he started convicting me about politics and the kind of the leaven of Herod that sort of thing I had nobody telling me this and nobody agreeing with it either Um, furthermore I didn't even have anybody that I was listening to like pastors or or YouTube preachers or anybody that I knew of at the time that was actually preaching this since then I've actually I've come across a handful out there and there is actually more than you'd think 
that are teaching a biblical perspective of politics and kind of the dangers of it. But at that time, I had nobody. And so this was, this was like a direct download from God. I had never really read before. You know, obviously, I, I'm sure I had read it. I'm sure I had skimmed over it. But nothing stood out to me to the point where I, when I first, when God first showed me this in 2019, I was like, what? Like, I never even knew this was here. Okay, so this is what it says starting at verse 1. It says, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a promise. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister for to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him and who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but because but also for conscience sake. We've talked about that before a little bit. For because of this, you also pay taxes. A lot of people complain about taxes, but Paul's reminding us we pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to the, this very thing, rendering, render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear or respect honor to whom honor and then it goes on to say oh no man anything except to love one another so God showed me this passage thankfully right before COVID so when COVID started when stuff started happening in Canada in Saskatchewan Canada where I was living at the time you know stuff started to lock down started talking about this virus the government immediately started taking control kind of thing on the situation and started locking everything down what have you and then there was mandate after mandate after mandate of different things that followed that because this was such a new and fresh thing to me that like I knew like God just showed me this and he convicted me of like this kind of this lack of like quiet and honoring life that I should be living under the government to respect the government you know instead of talking bad about the government because I grew up very much holding high importance to politics okay so making sure we absolutely vote like ever since I mean ever since I was old enough to vote I voted and I spoke out and endorsed certain candidates that I thought you know lined up with my values what have you so I was very much like you need to vote and like telling people like you need to vote you need to do this and you should vote for this person. Like if you are a Christian, you should vote for this person, that type of thing. And so God convicted me about a lot of that. And just like, um, just simple like obeying stuff, right? Obeying instead of um, dishonoring the government and not and not disobeying. So whether that's, you know, speeding down the highway, um, disobeying the law or obeying you know, a sign that says do not trespass or obeying a mask mandate, 
whatever it is, on any level, we as the body of Christ are called, and there's a lot of other verses I could go into, but if you don't know what they are, message me, I can send them to you. But there's a lot of verses that talk about us leaving this, this quiet, peaceful life so that when men look at us, um, we will not, they will not be able to condemn us for anything because we actually live blameless and flawless um, before them. And so it's not, just, it's not just that God sees us blameless and righteous and holy in His sight. No, we are actually called to be holy. We are actually called to live righteous. We are actually called to be blameless before men to the extent that we actually have done nothing wrong in their sight. As much as it depends on us, be at peace with all men, okay? So that is our calling. And so that is very, when I started to see this stuff, I realized that that, a lot of my political zeal was not keeping peace. It was a very destructive, I was, I was handling it in a very destructive way. Okay, so we're gonna dive into that more. The reality is we have been stirred up and by, by, the polit- by politics the last few years, we have been so stirred up and unfortunately not in love and good works. <laughs> like the Bible says we're supposed to be stirred up in love and good works. We haven't, been lo- we haven't been stirred up in love and good works. We have allowed our flesh to be stirred up by politics. We have been stirred up by the evil around us become hateful, despicable, mean, angry, unchristlike, full of rage, a vengeance, and we have become the very opposite of who Jesus has called us to be. We've become hard-hearted, unsympathetic, unmerciful, unloving people. And the worst part is the world has seen it up close like I'm talking like literally protests in their face, yelling back and forth. And obviously the world does this as well. So I'm not um, demonizing just the church, but the church should not be participating in the same things as the world. But yet that is what we've seen the last few years. We are living in a crucial time of history and it's mandatory now than ever that our lives Those of us that claim to be in Christ look like Jesus to a dying world around us, okay? This gospel that I'm talking about, like, it's always relevant. But, like, I would say I'm convinced that, like, if we don't do something right now, if we don't start working out our own salvation with fear and trembling, that many will be turned away from the true gospel if we don't start acting Christ-like. And I would say to the extent of the severity of what I'm talking about, because maybe this is new to you. Maybe you've never thought about this. You're like, Josh, what are you even talking about? That's fine. Or maybe you're like, what are you talking about? We need to fight. We need, hold on. We'll, We'll get to that stuff, okay? But I'm convinced that to this point, a lot of people have been turned away from the gospel that could be a permanent turnoff that could be a generational okay turn off to the kingdom of god it could affect us as the body of christ for generations and that's a sad thought that's how serious 
I feel this. Okay, so you can disagree again. You can disagree. Because like you can believe what you want ex- concerning the extreme left agenda. And you can believe that there's agendas behind those things like we said. Um, and I, I understand that. I understand why people are fighting, okay? Um, but what I see most that is killing us is the division and the strife between the two major opinions, okay? And I put a poll on just the other day on Instagram. Um, only about five people had voted, but four people, I asked, do you think the division the last few years in politics has hindered or um, or strengthened the kingdom of God? And only five people voted. So four people said they, it hindered it and only one person said, uh, so 20% said um, that it actually strengthened it, which I was really surprised because like it was all people saying hindered it. Um, but people, there is, is some people that even if maybe it's you listening to this podcast that actually think that strife is necessary. Like the end justified, like justifies the means. So like strife, even strife, can strengthen the kingdom of God. Like, do you really think that strife can strengthen the kingdom of God? Much less are we called to it? But there's definitely evil men trying to destroy our Christian values, like I already said, but like, there's also an enemy behind the division and strife. And his agenda is very much in effect. Like, we have fallen exactly into his trap, okay? So, we as the church has lost her identity. We've lost our witness and we've forgotten we represent like we've forgotten who we represent in the words of Jesus we've forgotten what spirit we are of and the worst part is we don't seem to care we've said that these are just difficult times and you know what there's a lot at stake here and the end will justify the means that's what we've said it's very concerning we have become more concerned with the health and well-being of a nation than we have with the health and well-being of our souls like really like we have become more concerned about the the health and the well-being of a nation again than the kingdom of god and not only that but we've sacrificed the well-being of the kingdom of god for the nation what we think is going to make the nation better okay we've taken matters into our own hands and as a result have done great damage to the kingdom of God. When you look at COVID, for example, just how much, just COVID, not even politics, not even, I mean, it is politics, but not even um, actual campaigning or voting or or uh, supporting candidates, that sort of thing. Um, just COVID in general, how much it impacted the world around us on every level, okay? So like it impacted us physically, whatever you believe about it, it killed people, okay? Took away jobs. People suffered from losing their jobs. People suffered from dying or losing a loved one or just having a horrible sickness, um, compromising their immune system. Um, like my wife and I, we still suffer from, you know, some of the effects of that we had during COVID, right? Um, our body is just not the same. So people have suffered immensely, okay? 
on every level businesses were shut down had to close down or because you know just people just because of the way the economy was it affected so many areas okay COVID affected it was a terrible thing um, whether you believe it was it was all you know planned by the government or not whatever the fact is the bottom line is the effects of it were not good and we as the body of Christ were not very good as well our response was not very Christ-like our response was not very full of faith we said that a lot of us were the ones saying hey you know we shouldn't live in fear but we weren't living in love either because faith works by love and so we're saying we're living in faith by not having a mask we're living in faith by disobeying the rules in the stores by not obeying the government not being respectful by bad-mouthing the government all this we said that we were actually the ones living in faith but in reality we weren't because faith works by love and we were not in love we were not walking in love whatsoever okay <clears throat> so covid in and of itself it really <clears throat> revealed our hearts it really revealed a lot of us a lot of our hearts and i'm not even just i'm not talking about it revealing people's political stance but it revealed people's hearts it revealed our lack of love that people had it revealed our hardness of heart that how easily it revealed how much we loved convenience and our comfort and when that was taken away we would do anything even if it meant the person right in front of us not being loved even if it meant us misrepresenting Jesus to the person right in front of us to the person in line in front of us to the person that wanted us to wear a mask right across the aisle from us the person that didn't want us to walk more than six feet within them um, we so easily threw people under the bus we so easily at the expense of what we want for comfort and freedom we took out on people it wasn't even protesting against the government at that point it was just showing people that hey I don't agree with this and so we made you know because of pride because God forbid you have an opinion that the world doesn't know okay so because of pride could not love the person in front of us because we loved things more we love freedom more we love comfort more we love convenience more and those were the things that were at stake and I, I get that there's an agenda behind this stuff and that stuff could get worse and the next one that happens it could get worse but how worse how much worse are we gonna get in the process how much worse are we gonna how much more are we gonna lower our standard of who we are called to be how much more are we going to disregard the example of Jesus and go after our own ways okay so we need to be prepared I want to talk about voting real quick because voting is a is a is a hot topic and I shared a little bit before that in the past 
I was really passionate about it and that you know I would tell people to vote. Well, I still will tell you and encourage you to go vote. I think we are blessed to be able to live in a country, whether that's Canada that you're listening from or the United States of America. We are blessed to live in a country that we actually get to have a say, that we get to say who should be and we should, um, I think it's because of that um, ability that we have, it becomes our responsibility to actually elect good men to serve, like, you know, good men that, that support our values to represent us in um, all forms of government. So um, I would encourage you to vote. But I want to say a couple things about voting. So number one, voting is not our God-given right. Oh, I feel I felt a couple unsubscribers right there. Voting is not a God-given right because voting is actually a privilege. If God, if it was a God-given right, if it was a God-given right that's tied to who we're called to be, that it's like a Christian duty to vote, um, then why didn't God give Christians in other countries in third, in third world countries, this right to vote. So it's not a universal right from God. It is a right that we have in a good country that was founded on godly principles. That was probably a God idea, but that does not mean it's a God-given right to the extent that it's tied to who we are, okay? So it is simply a privilege because of the nations that we live in, Canada, the U.S., any other nation that that you're able to vote. But it is never where we place our identity, okay? If you were to ask me top 10, um, top 10 things that we are called to do as followers of Christ, that we are, that like are connected to who we are, that's like vital God has commanded us to do, well, voting wouldn't even be on the list okay so me as a follower of jesus i am a follower of jesus first i am loyal and dedicated to following one leader and that his name is jesus he is my god and savior my king and my shepherd okay so i will follow him number one always okay Saved by the blood of Jesus. He has saved me. He has transformed me. He has saved me from a life of sin. He has granted me access to seek Him on a daily basis, to commune with Him, to pray with Him, to be part of His plan. And He leads me into that, okay? And I vote, okay? And I'm going to vote for somebody that backs up my Christian values. Period. That's it. They're not even on the same level. They're not on the same level. We've have this idea in the church that these two things, your allegiance to a political party, your allegiance to a specific candidate, which we're going to talk about a little bit, um, is on the same level as you being a Christian. And it's not. It is become idolatry and we're going to jump into that a little bit more but we have this false idea that if only christians 
can have this political power again, then we'll see revival. Or when the, the greatest revival in church history happened under a government that was killing Christians for sport. Like literally, Governor Nero was the governor of Rome was in power in Rome and he was literally capturing Christians and having them eaten by lions like right in for sport for people to watch as entertainment this was a dark time they didn't have rights those people of that time Christians Jews they did not have rights okay they did not have freedoms but yet the church we saw the church grow more than we do today we've seen we saw the church flourish and overcome persecution we saw the church have better attitudes better conduct in the face of their friends being taken and thrown to the lions okay them being beheaded them being crucified all this we saw better attitudes more joy and more christ-like conduct as a whole in the face of these very very bad um, tyrannical government okay but yet we when COVID hits when we're told to put on a mask we have a bad attitude and can't even have joy or love for the person for the cashier in front of us or better yet we see somebody else posting about a candidate that we don't like and we have to give them a piece of our mind on the internet because that's not my opinion you're wrong we need to start an argument in the face of this we have gotten so off track from what jesus has called us to do what paul started when he started the church the kingdom of god is not limited to the government given is, is not limited to the government given freedoms or policies, okay? Otherwise, all the other countries in the world are just doomed. Like, is China doomed? No, China is one of the, is the largest groups of the church. And they have church underground. They meet to worship Jesus and to learn about Jesus and maybe get their hands on a Bible if they can to learn illegally because their government does not allow them to believe in Jesus, okay? So what happens if we lose our freedom in North America? Is the church doomed? Absolutely not. We don't see that biblically and we do not see that in history, in Christian history, in any Christian history whatsoever. In fact, we actually see the opposite. We see the church growing, the church flourishing more under these tight persecutions and stuff like that. Do I want persecution? No. Does that, does that mean that it's a good thing to have persecution? Not necessarily. But if you look at church history, it would beg to differ. So um, the freedoms and the rights that we have in North America or other first world countries are the exception not the rule are they god's will sure but it's not the norm and it's certainly not the standard of which god's kingdom is built on so why are we compromising god's kingdom for these things for these amazing things I, again i want to i want to stress that i as far as my core values 
you would describe me as a conservative. You would describe me in America probably to vote for vote Republican because it would probably represent what the values that I hold most. Okay, in Canada I voted conservative. Um, so you would describe me in that way, but is that where I put my identity in? No. Is that where I um, speak from? No. I'm not a conservative. I'm a follower of Jesus that votes conservative, okay? That has conservative values. There's a difference. We're convinced that in order for us to share the gospel, we need these freedoms of religion to do so. But yet, those saying this do not even share the gospel now. The reality is, the people, maybe that's you, that are saying, well, we need freedoms to be able to share the gospel. We need freedoms to be able to have church. We need... You're not even sharing the gospel with your neighbor right now. And you have every freedom to do so. You're not even going out and laying hands on the sick. You're not even... Some of you aren't even talking to people you know, your friends and family about Jesus. And you have the freedom to do so. So it is a complete bogus excuse. Like people say that. The true gospel, and the, re- and the reality is that true gospel spreads more the less freedoms and conveniences we have, okay? But if the claim were true that under more freedoms we could do better for the kingdom of God, if that were true, that only thing, if things got better, then we'll be able to share the gospel and win others to Christ. I believe that by that time, that we fight for those rights, I believe that our witness will be so tainted and everyone will have been so turned away from Jesus that it won't even matter anymore. Because we're, that's what the cost is. That is what we're compromising in order to get to this reality of freedom that we're, that we're all talking about. What it comes down to is we have misunderstood what the goal of the gospel is. We have misjudged the reason Jesus came and the real enemy that he came to overcome. Just like the Jews thought Jesus was coming to overthrow the tyrannical government, most Christians today think our calling is to do the same. As if, as we see more and more recently, okay? So like the last few years, we actually, Christians actually believe that these are part of our calling to overcome government. And some of them, might not actually take up arms to do so, but there's a good amount that will when the push comes to shove. And we need to now, as the body of Christ, decide who you are. You need to decide if you're going to live from Christ in you or if you're going to be moved by emotion. And it can be true emotion. It can be valid reason why people are moved to do terrible things, okay? But we need to decide now before it gets to that what you're going to do, what God has called us to do, what represents Christ. What is our goal on earth? Is it to represent Christ or is it to have a Christian government? You got to decide that, okay? We're, the Jews were waiting on the Messiah that would lead a revolt against the government, the Roman Empire, and deliver them from slavery and oppression, okay? But guess what? That's not what Jesus did. We all know that it's not what Jesus came to do. 
he, what he came to do was very radical in the way that it was not what the, what, um, the Jews were expecting. It's not what the chosen people of God were waiting for. The chosen people of God needed freedom from slavery. They, needed, they were oppressed. They needed all these things, but Jesus did not tackle that. Jesus did not come and take care of those issues, okay? Why? Because there is a evil behind that that is more important than the surface level problems. So often we want to look at the surface level problems in our society and try to fix it at any expense. But we need to be careful. Like Jesus said, we need to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, okay? And we also need to have a heavenly mindset, a kingdom mindset, and that is realizing that there's more than meets the eye. So Jesus didn't actually come to do that, right? We all know that. He didn't even speak out against them. I can't find one scripture where Jesus spoke out about or called out the evil in the government as far as like the tyrannical uh, oppression, the dictatorship, all things that we would be appalled by and we would need to speak our mind about. And I would agree with you, but Jesus didn't think it was important enough to even talk about once. In fact, the times that he did speak of government, because there is a handful, he made sure to instruct us to obey honor and subject ourselves under that authority as much as do. <clears throat> Does that mean that Jesus approved of the, of the oppression and tyranny that was happening? No, absolutely not. But he had a heavenly mindset fixed on the kingdom of God that he was from. He modeled how a citizen of heaven, us, okay, how we should think, live, walk, respond to these earth, earthly troubles, okay? And he called us to walk as he did and follow in his footsteps and to arm ourselves with the same mind. You've heard me talk about that. It's so vital, guys. Most Christians today have a mindset so far from Christ that it is absolutely unrecognizable in the kingdom of God and that any thinking of the kingdom of God would be absolutely unrecognizable to them. Like, it would be completely foreign to them. So that's why, that's why I want to make this podcast because I want to talk about these issues that we have gotten so far off as the body of Christ where we don't even know what we're talking about when somebody talks about, read something from the Bible. They don't even realize that that is what Jesus has called us to. So that's why I want to talk about it. Um, or Jesus didn't come to overthrow the bad government. I mean, it was bad. Again, I'm going to stress that because it was bad. It was way worse than anything we see today, okay? Maybe there's a couple countries that are on that level. But I'm saying as far as what we see in our American, Canadian, first world bubble, okay? It is like not even to be compared, not even worthy to be compared. Like it, there is no comparison, okay? Um, so I want to stress how bad it was at the time when Paul, when Jesus is saying these things, because that's a huge context issue that people overlook. Jesus came to overcome sin. 
we've also talked about this before. Okay, this is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus came to set his people from, to save his people from their sins. This is why he came to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Sin, okay? He came to deliver us from slavery, bondage, and oppression from sin. Something that the church itself hasn't even fully broke free from, okay? Just like the Israelites have actually desi- had actually desired to go back to the slavery instead of living in the land God had promised, that's how we, uh, we've acted. And that's something I want to dive into on a different episode. But, so Jesus didn't come to fight against a physical government, but came to dismantle unseen, in princip- unseen principalities and powers, which many of you would agree with that. I, would ho- I hope so. Um, maybe we, so maybe, <clears throat> here's just a thought, okay? Food for thought, think about it, pray about it. Maybe, we, instead of standing up against government, we as Christians should be more concerned about standing up against sin in our own lives. Maybe start there at least. Then see what the Holy Spirit is telling you in regards to leading a revolt against the government, okay? Maybe if we humble ourselves, pray and turn from our wicked ways, God will heal our land. Just a thought. I'll put the verse right up here. You guys know the verse. I, because I like, I promise you, if we were busy fighting the good fight of faith against sin and pursuing Jesus with everything we are, we wouldn't have time to get caught up in the affairs of this life. Like, the fact that we get so caught up in politics, gossip, hard times, arguments with each other, etc reveals that we aren't full-time pursuing Jesus. We might be pursuing Him on the side. We might be, you know, hey God, like you need to fix this, going to Him. And we might even be going, like saying that in regards to the, the, the political issues that we're talking about. But we're not fully pursuing Jesus with everything we are. Instead, we want to spend time fighting um, all these other battles that God has not called us to fight with weapons. He's actually called us to lay down. And I've had conversations with people that are really close. And I've told, I mentioned this a little bit at the start. Um, and I've tried to talk to them about what the Bible says that we are commanded to do, like in these current political times. And not only do they not have scripture to justify the things that they're doing, how they're acting, they don't have the scriptural basis to do that but they have no interest in hearing all the scripture that I have to back up what I'm saying, okay? So it's just, it's really interesting. Again, it reveals where we are, where the heart of the church is at um, as of late. I found out really quickly that they don't really care about obeying God. They care about preserving the country above preserving the kingdom of God. They actually reveal that they love their country more than they love God. Like, and you might say like, well, what's wrong with love for your country? What's wrong with seeking justice and other good things? I'm not saying it's wrong to love your country and desire to, you know, seek 
to keep and preserve those moral foundations that it has. But when you love those things more than God, that is where we cross a fatal error, okay? Loving anything, placing it of higher importance to God is literally the definition of idolatry, okay? So not only have we committed political idolatry, but we've then tried to reaffirm the ways, our ways, by bringing God into it to the point of making it our Christian duty and to act and behave in such anti-Christ ways. And so a lot of Christians will say, well, like, and when you look at the effects of um, January 6th in the United States storming the Capitol building, um, in Canada, the the trucker protests, the trucker rallies, convoys, that led protests. Um, a lot of it was peaceful. I would say the same thing about the U.S. Some of it was peaceful, but not all of it. Sadly, not all of it was peaceful. Not all of it was, certainly wasn't Christ-like, okay? Um, so in the face of that, and there's a lot of damage that was done, okay? It doesn't take me listening to a news broadcast to realize that like I can look at that I can look at the behavior I can look at the actions I can see videos myself without anybody giving me opinion because that's what I've been accused of okay I've literally been accused of when I've when I showed my concern about January 6th and these other things people would just say I'm I'm deceived and CNN basically told you know got me to believe what they wanted me to believe. They wanted me to paint this in a bad light. No, it actually was just bad. Christians participating in something like that, whether people were killed or not, whether people were injured or not, whether there was actually vandalism or not, being involved or participating in that, in all of that, is a huge concern. And it was bad. It was damaging to not only the church, but to the kingdom of God. Again, I would argue for generations, unfortunately. When you look at these events that happen, Christians will still say, well, yeah, but okay, so maybe it wasn't the greatest. They'll admit like, okay, maybe like we shouldn't have done that. Maybe we took it too far. Maybe this wasn't good, but, but God can still use it and God was still working in those people. And God will not work in something that was not his plan. God will not work in something that is not his ways. God lives by his ways. And he's actually called us to do the same. He's called us to follow him. He's called us to live by his ways as well and not live after our own ways, like in the way that seems right to a man. And that's a lot of what we see here in these events, in these protests, in these, in these hard times. We see a lot revealed us thinking in our own way, maybe for good intentions, okay? Probably for good intentions. Intentions I might actually agree with. But the reality of it was birthed out of the flesh and not moved by the Spirit, okay? And I want to point out again that I'm not saying everyone involved in, pol- in every form of politics is like unchrist. Like, I'm not saying that. And I think we should... In, in, in some forms, people are fully devoted to following Jesus and are involved in f- politics. And their actually motives would be to advance the kingdom of God, okay? 
So I'm not saying as a blanket statement, but I do believe that the road to politics is a slippery slope, which many fall, and that is a blanket statement. Many fall, and if you haven't yet fallen, if you are in politics or, or you are heavily um, consumed by politics and everything going on, um, the reality is you will fall. You will eventually fall. Especially if you're not re- regarding what God has said. Especially if you're not, if you don't even care about our witness. If you don't even care. If you don't, if there's not one thing I can, I said today that you can agree with, just like that poll, like if you can't even agree that strife would hinder the kingdom of God and not strengthen it, like, if you can't even agree with that, like, I'm not asking you to agree with everything that I believe. I'm not asking you to agree with my political views whatsoever. I'm just asking about this one statement or any of the statements I've said. If you can't agree with one of them, like one single, any of them, then I would encourage you to check where your heart is, to check where your motives is, to, to talk to God about it. Because maybe we've missed something along the way if we can't learn from each other, if we can't, if we're not even willing to look into what God has said in the Word. I've seen not only on a large scale destruction to the kingdom of God, destruction to the church, but I've witnessed firsthand people I know that have been so affected by politics that have become so consumed by it that have hardened their hearts that are not willing to learn that are not willing to look at these some of these concerns with me um, I've seen the reality of Matthew 24 12 lived out in front of my very eyes and that is the verse that says and because of lawless and because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold and so I've seen people with good intentions standing for righteousness, okay? Hating lawlessness, hating evil and bad agendas out there, okay? Bad policies, bad all of these things that I would agree that are, are bad. Because of that, because of those things, they've allowed that to actually harden their hearts and to let their love, Christ in them, grow cold. We have identified ourselves more with politics than we have the kingdom of God. Whether liberal or conservative, whether Republican or Democrat or whatever it is in between, we've become like the world. We've stooped as low as the world. And in the words of the Apostle Paul, this ought not to be so. Of course, there's always going to be arguing and strife over controversial topics, but the bride of Christ is the last place that it should be found. We are called to be different. We are called to be pure. We are called to be blameless. We are called to be unspotted from the world. As a whole, the bride is acting arrogant and refusing to be led or let herself be helped by her husband, which is Jesus Christ, because after all, she's empowered. This is how we've acted, and this is the best 
um, analogy that I have to explain it. The average conservative Christian has been acting more like a liberal feminist than the bride submitted, than a bride submitted to Jesus as her bridegroom. Have we been given power and freedom? Yes, of course, but my gosh, have we ever abused that power and freedom? We've taken matters into our own hands and justified our actions all while still claiming to abide in Him. My Bible says this, He who says he abides in Him ought themselves also walk just as He walked. We've seen the evil around us and said we need to avenge when God has called us to purify ourselves in love and leave vengeance and justice up to Him. Okay, Jesus has redeemed us from our past life of vengeance, life, strife, envy, lust, lies, opinions, manipulation, self-seeking, earthly thinking, and we've ran right back to those things when bad circumstances hit. That's what we did. Let's not claim redemption. Let's not just claim redemption, but let's, let's live redeemed. So when I look at what's the difference between us and the world at this point, there's not a lot. Like the only difference that I really see is our policies. We have different policies. Generally, the church is more conservative and right-swinging and the world is generally more liberal and left-swinging, okay? But other than that, there's no difference in our conduct. There's no difference in our speech. There's no difference in our mentality. There's no difference in our, our, our fruit. There's no difference in our goals. There's no difference in our identity. We want to follow a warrior king that leads his lions into war instead of a meek and lowly gentle shepherd that leads his sheep to the slaughter. That's what it comes down to. Although Jesus is coming back as a lion, let's remember that he's called us to be sheep. Jesus lived a life as a humble, meek, obedient lamb as example for us to follow. If he wanted us to live as lions, he would have demonstrated as a lion, but he didn't. It's not for us to take control and vengeance out on the injustice we see around us. That makes our heart grow cold and as a result makes us unfit for the kingdom of God. There is only one lion and one lamb that is worthy to take vengeance and he will repay, the Bible says, okay? Remember, a sheep trying to act like a lion, by definition, is a goat. Goats are stubborn and disobedient. They, they try to do things their own way and refuse to submit and follow. Jesus will separate, Jesus will actually separate the sheep from the goats at the end. To read Romans 12, 19 to 21, which coincidentally is just a few verses before we see Romans 13 take off. It says, Vengeance is His, not ours. Beloved, do not avenge ourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give a, a drink. For in so you... In doing so, you will keep you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. A lot of what I've seen in the church when it comes to politics, we try to overcome evil with evil. We try to overcome man's ways that we disagree with with other man's ways that we think are better. Because of this perverted desire for justice, 
and to follow a warrior king that will lead us into a battle against political evil explains why evangelical Christians have been so attracted to Donald Trump. And I do want to just talk about Donald Trump just briefly, okay? Not only have Christians voted for Donald Trump, and to clarify, I would have probably voted for Donald Trump as well if I was living in the, in the United States at the time. But not only have we voted for him, but we as Christians literally are so dedicated to him that we are following his ways and taking on his conduct and his attitude more than our King Jesus. We said that we can change Trump. That's what we said when he first came into office and he's like, oh, he might not, I don't know if he's a real Christian. I don't know. We said we can change him. We can influence him. But the reality is he has changed us. We have Christians literally saying now, only Trump can save America. There's only one who is worthy of that sentence and his name is Jesus. Only Jesus can save America and only Jesus can save the world. And the reality is, the truth is, he can do it regardless of who is in power. That's what makes King Jesus the best king and the best leader is because he can do it regardless of any other evil agenda that is at play by principalities or powers. I want to briefly explain my thoughts on Donald Trump. And this is how I, this is an example I heard um, from Dr. Michael Brown. He has a great, a great couple of books on these topics. So let's say um, you move to a new neighborhood and next door neighbor is this, you know, drinking, alcoholic, partying. He has, you know, he's this big guy that used to be like a wrestler. He's a retired wrestler. He's a big guy. He cusses. He has parties all the time. He has women all over it, like at his house all the time. Stuff like that. Not somebody that you necessarily want your kids to be around with or around a lot or anything like that, okay? But one day, this group of kids come to your house after school, follow your kids home from school, and they start threatening your kids, um, saying that like, we hate Christians. My dad is gonna come beat you guys up and show you that you know Christians are worthless and all this thing starts calling them names, threatening them. And so, they, so the, the guy actually ends up coming with his gang and starts beating up your kids. It breaks into the house, hurts your kids. Well, this neighbor, this rough character, actually comes over and saves you and starts beating up on these guys instead and threatens them and says, hey, if you ever step foot on this property or on my property, I will kill you, okay? And they run away and he ends up saving their life. Well, you would feel like this neighbor is now a bit of a hero because he just saved your life. And there would be a, a little, there would be a shift in the dynamic of who you see, even though there's a lot of things you still don't like about him. You don't like his drinking, his cussing, all that. But he would still nonetheless be a hero. And that is a, a lot of, in a lot of ways, how Christians have um, seen Donald Trump, okay? But the problem is we have, because of our loyalty and our gratitude to the, some amazing things that he's done, 
for the sake of Christians and those that share those similar values. Because of that, we have committed idolatry with him and become so loyal to him that he can now do no wrong. And we've also started to justify some of these terrible, unchrist-like behavior that he has. So a lot of the hatred surrounding Donald Trump and the danger of you tying your name as a follower of Jesus to this man Donald Trump um, or the Republican Party now can be damaging because now you're associating yourself with him. You're associating yourself with this behavior that we as Christians do not want to be associated, okay? We want to come out and be separate. We do not want to be yoked together with this anti-Christ behavior, okay? And so the danger is now being associated with that to the point where Christians, now when the world looks at Christians, they don't see Christians, they don't see Jesus, they see Donald Trump. They say, oh, you're a Trump supporter. And so we've lost our witness in a lot of ways because of this um, fatal error in our ways, this fatal idolatry that we've had with Trump. So I want to, I think I'll end on this one more thing. I want to explain the difference between persecution and you just being treated wrongly because you were, because you were being bad. Like, There's a difference between us being persecuted for who we are as believers and us being treated wrongly because we treated others wrongly, okay? Because we were nasty. We can't say that if the world hates us, oh, it's because of Jesus. We know that, you know, they hated Jesus. No, 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 no. The world hates us because we claim Jesus, not because we're being mean to them. We're not called to be mean to them and then just, oh, well, they said, you know, Jesus said that they would hate us. No, 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 no. If it all depends on us, we are supposed to keep at peace with all men. We're supposed to love one another. It's not our job to serve justice. It's not our job to take vengeance on certain people that are right or wrong or do this or that. We are called to love them and stay at peace with them, okay? But in so many ways, Donald Trump's ways are not that, okay? So um, we need to be careful of that and be aware of that, okay? 1 Peter says, 1 Peter 2, 19 to 25, I probably won't read it all, but it says, For this is commendable, if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffers wrongly, This is commendable. For what credit is it if we are beaten for our faults and you take it patiently when you're beaten for your faults if you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. So if you deserve this sort of bad behavior because of bad things that you've done, and that's just coming back at you, that is not God's will. God's will is that we suffer for being blameless. We suffer for doing right, okay? So the reality is, as long as we use man's ways to try to change the world, we'll get man's results. 
More than ever, we need to know God's word and realize his kingdom doesn't function the same way ours does, okay? We need to be known as Jesus followers more than we are known as Trump supporters. So I have two scenarios I want to run by you. So on one hand, we as followers of Jesus want to hold a, uphold biblical views and think what we think is best for our society. And, there's, and if there's a candidate that shares those beliefs, isn't it a good thing to stand up and to be unashamed and support them? So that, you know, that's on the one hand, okay? On the second hand, on the other hand, we could say that the world already knows we're Christians and probably where we stand on certain political issues. So putting up a sign for a certain candidate or making a Facebook post is probably not even going to change that person's mind anyway. But it might alienate us as ambassadors of Jesus. And that means instead of our neighbors, our friends, associating with following Jesus, they're going to probably associate it with us as being supporters of this certain candidate or party. So what if that person does something unbiblical? Like in the example of Trump, we, there's tons of examples I could throw up. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to take a closer look. Um, but so what if that candidate that you support does something unchristlike? Now you are associated with them and that could tarnish your gospel witness. So we as believers, we should separate standing for a cause and standing for a candidate or party. We can stand for what we think is right on certain issues, but it doesn't, there's a difference between standing for a, or being loyal to an individual. I can be unashamed for, for holding a certain view that is backed up with biblical values, but can't necessarily be unashamed nor should we be unashamed about everything a candidate does. They could lie, they could cheat, they could manipulate, they could be vengeful, they could act hateful, etc. Wherever we stand on these political issues, um, it's vital that we are known for being followers of Jesus first and foremost and only secondary if it comes down to it, known for who we vote for. I think I'm going to stop there. This has been a long episode and I think there's a lot to cover. There's probably more I could cover as time comes on, but as the, the 24, 2024 election rolls around next November, um, it's going to come up quickly, quickly and campaigning is going to come in hot and people are going to be getting upset on every side of it and it's going to be, it's going to be a, a divisive time. Again, it's going to be a time of strife and fighting and arguing. And so I want to encourage you now, before we get into the thick of this, to think about what we talked about today. Think about this. Think about what the Bible says. Think about what our purpose, what our overall purpose as followers of Jesus is. And see if it lines up with what we think might need to happen on a political level. See if it lines up. And I, I urge you, as a fellow follower of Jesus, if it does not line up, to run from it. If it does not line up with who we're called to be, if it does not line up with the heart and the mind of Christ, to run from it. Run the other way. Repent and seek God for what we can be doing to have an impact on our world around us. But let's start with praying. Let's start with loving people 
that we see in the grocery store. Let's start with um, serving people, putting the other first. And I think that will do immensely in the body of Christ if we just do those things, okay? So thank you guys so much for watching. I know it was a longer episode, but it is a heavy topic and need to be addressed. There's a chance that I'll probably make another one on this topic to dive in a little bit deeper on some of the things I didn't have time for today. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't subscribed yet. That would be greatly appreciated. And comment below, comment your thoughts. I wanna know your thoughts. If you think I'm way out of line, if you think I'm interpreting scripture wrong, I want to know, I wanna have a discussion. Please do not be afraid to actually talk about these things. Um, they need to be talked about and they need to be discussed. Um, it's not about me sharing my opinion. It's about me sharing some biblical direction. I don't see a lot of biblical direction from the other side of it. So if you have that, please let me know. Send me a message or comment below. If you want to get into it deep, we could arrange like a, a live, like an Instagram live. We could talk about it. We could talk on the phone. I can have you on the phone in my podcast whatever you want to do please i'm open to ideas so let me know and thank you guys for watching have a blessed week talk to you later has so much more for us.